Greetings and welcome to today's episode of My Security Plus Journey. Uh, this is a podcast series where I document my learnings in the field of cybersecurity as I prepare for the CompTIA Security Plus SYO501 exam. In the last episode, uh, we've discussed about the art of social engineering, its fundamental principles and its uh, and we've discussed a couple of case studies of uh, real life social engineering. Um Today in this episode let's discuss about man in the middle attacks buffer overflows and data injection. Before we get started uh make sure to drop some feedback or you know leave a rating depending on how useful you're finding these episodes. Uh, also keep in mind that this is a podcast which I'm documenting my learnings for my reference but I'm just sticking it on the internet so that you know people who are learning later on or people who are learning for the exam like me could find these useful could find my mental notes useful. So without further ado let's get started. <clears throat> the first topic that we'll be discussing today is the man in the middle attack. Now fundamentally when you boil it down uh network communication from any computational device happens directly to only one device at one point in the sense that your access to the internet uh your access to any resource on the internet has to go through or is governed by your network infrastructure which is which could be a router or a switch or a hub you know the first direct point of contact from your laptop's wifi or ethernet hi- uh, hardware module to the internet which is basically to the network that first contact which is that contact you will be sending your request to and that that like you know that contact will relate to to the appropriate routes across the internet retrieve those resources and get it back to you so basically you're you're like you know browsing the internet or using the network in proxy of the second point or if this is the direct point of contact you have you know, this network infrastructure device now if i were a bad guy let's say a is your computer device B is the first direct point of contact which is basically your network hub or any of these things and um C is the bad guy who's like me who's trying to like you know enter into your network or you know to watch you without you knowing now there's only if you think about it A and B have a straight line which flows two ways now if C were to enter and if C were to you know try and spy on you try and spy on the communications you're making it doesn't take long for you to figure out that uh, all c has to do is intercept this line of communications from a to b you know become the man in the middle and the chances are i mean like again c for 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 a person like c who's trying to intercept it would be ideal that a wouldn't figure it out or b wouldn't figure it out right in the sense that if you know you're being spied upon you would you wouldn't do anything or you wouldn't do any you know personal transactions or any of those sensitive data you won't handle sensitive data so ideally for c it would be better if he's not detected so what could c do in this situation to you know intercept as as and b's communication lines but uh, you know not be detected simple all c has to do all c here has to do is let it look like everything is happening normal let no suspicion raise in either a or b's head and that's really simple all all c has to do is instead of making the communication from a to b 
C has to step in and let A make his request. So basically just break the entire communication line into two steps A to C and then C to B and vice versa B to C and then C to A. So what C is intermittently doing here is whenever like you know the data which, which is basically all of the requests and all of the network activity that you're sending is taking a pit stop at C it is basically reading everything which is basically A is trying to send this request to B so C intercepts it, C reads it and sends it back on its way and B replies to those requests so C intercepts it obviously B is replying back through the same route the request came from so B, uh, B sends the reply, C intercepts the reply, reads it and sends it back to A now for both A and B, this would seem very normal because at the end of the day, whatever requests they're making, whatever the replies they're giving, they're happening in the sense that they're not being interrupted. So basically you never know your traffic was redirected. So and this is basically the ideal situation for C, where he can just read through everything and act like, you know, a pit stop or, you know, a spectator in between. Now one of the more prominent ways or one of the uh, most like you know fundamentally distinguishable ways man in the middle attacks stand out is uh, in, with the ARP spoofing which is basically ARP stands for address resolution protocol now address resolution protocol by definition is the protocol that translates your link layer addresses basically the physical addresses of your devices to um, you know the internet addresses the IP addresses <coughs> Now, if I were to translate this into layman terms, which this is basically, see, uh, your house or your uh, your home, basically wherever you're living, it is just like, you know, a bunch of bricks and uh, furniture and concrete, you know, like, you know, that's, it's basically that. It's a bunch of bricks, uh, furniture, concrete, doors and all. The collection of which and the order in which you put it and where exactly it is located that is what you call your house. Now for people, you can't describe it like this, right? To people, you have to give them a certain, like, you know, location, a certain <clears throat> name or, you know, a certain address. That, like, you know, like you give out addresses or you give out pin codes or you give out house numbers. So basically, translating this back to the address resolution protocol, the physical address or these link layer addresses that I was talking about, are those that exist on the computer like your front door or like your you know mailbox those are physical now to translate that for the internet which is basically to translate that for people to know where it is located to know where to deliver the IP addresses or basically the internet addresses is similar to the address you would tell them like you know your pin code or your zip code or all of these so if I were to tell that my address or whichever thing that I'm telling them as an address of to my house is basically not the place where I'm living. If I if I told them that, uh, suppose say your house number is 75, if someone else, if, if that person were to ask someone else saying where is house number 75, if they were to not point to your house and point to someone else's house, they would inevitably go there. And that is basically how it is. ARP is fundamentally built to not have any security because ARP is just a relay protocol. It's just a routing protocol. So basically whoever like the network asks or whoever a person asks, what reply they give depends 
on and what reply they give will determine where the uh, you know the package or the delivery goes now when you translate that to uh, the internet like you know the network concept whenever this request coming in to say like you know to you suppose you sent in a request uh, requesting a few packets and those packets are to be delivered to you the reply packets are to be delivered to you if uh, like you know if if the network asks uh, the router or the hub saying that where is this device that requested these packets so that we can go and deliver it to it we can go and deliver them to it if you were to manipulate this network hub or this network switch your direct point of communication to say oh no no it is this device it is this device that requested it instead of showing your device it shows some other someone else's device the packets would just nicely go and deliver there and they leave and now what to do of that packets now that that thing lies in the hands of the person who it is delivered to you know they could they could here basically they are the man in the middle they could you know just sniff through all of the packets inspect everything what's there in them and then like you know pack them back like nothing happened and send them to you you know that is one thing which is possible or you know they could just keep the packets and you would realize that your communications are not happening the former scenario again ideal for a man in the middle person so that it would not raise any suspicion so arp poisoning is one of the most prominent man in the middle attacks no again re- lately uh, people have been taking it one step further which is basically instead of c stepping in between a and b's communication lines what if c what to step in directly into one of a or b now we've seen if c were to step in directly into b's this thing which is the network infrastructure it'll tra- it'll become arp poisoning arp poisoning but what if c were to step in directly into a what if the man the man in the middle were to exist on the same computer as the victim now the victim might be like you know sending out network requests through browsers or through any of like you know uh, through apps or something like that what if the middle man has uh, like all again now all of this is simple all it takes is a good malware or trojan to enter the victim's device to just set up a proxy where at the creation of the request itself two copies of it are created in which one of them is related to the middleman and one of them is related to the normal communication lines now at the end of the day you would uh, this is even more uh, advantageous because first things first uh, even if encryption is happening to the traffic the encryption key is also on the exact same computer where the middleman is so everything would look normal to a victim because even if the victim were to scan the network for any changes they would still see that their packets are being routed neatly to b only they wouldn't realize that it is also being routed to c from the same pc from the same browser so it wouldn't take long before you know you end up entering some the victim ends up entering some sort of sensitive data and all the all this man in the browser has to do is just replay those at replay the exact data and he gets access to it so that man in the browser is now again a uh, very relatively new but relatively potent form of attacks although most browsers come against uh, like you know come with a um, uh, huge amount of security apps applications like you know all of these things you install from untrusted sources or those of those sorts they are very vulnerable to this the second topic of today is buffer overflows and although this is a relatively a simple topic to discuss it's a relatively you know fundamentally uh, it is always helpful to understand this in a fundamental manner now at the core of it 
whenever a computer has to you know do computation or to perform a task or anything it has to read it has to take input data and it has to generate an output now that input data might come directly from the user or that input has uh, input data has to be like you know somewhere like stored or somewhere retrieved from somewhere else but no matter what for however long like you know the input data has to be processed to go into the output it has to exist somewhere so in in computers uh, any data that you send in or any data that exists lives on lives in the memory right and again the memory is not an untangled mess with just data flowing everywhere that is simple that, that way computation wouldn't work like the computer wouldn't know which data to pick which data is it looking for so obviously everything is organized neatly and everything is allocated a certain place or a certain amount of space so that this data fits in here this data fits in here this block of memory fits in here and you know a certain space and a certain location in the memory device like a hard drive or so is allocated now suppose say you were to allocate 100 units for some sort of an input the user was giving right what if the user were to input 101 units worth of memory now obviously uh, the memory allocated to it was only 100 units so it will store only 100 units what will happen to that one extra unit that comes in it will overflow in the sense that if the area allocated is full and you're still trying to insert something it will spill out it will where it will where will it spill out it will obviously spill out into other memory areas thereby crashing that memory and that's exactly what a buffer overflow does in the sense that whenever like you know uh, a memory area is allocated uh, a memory buffer is allocated for a certain function or for a certain function or certain data it tries to you know overflow it so that memory spills over into other memory areas and uh, you know ultimately uh, ends up like you know crashing things or crashing some sort of like uh, other memories or like corrupting other memories now if that other memory were to be some sort of like you know security functions and all it would be useful for uh, an attacker because if the security functions were to be corrupted all he has to do is a walk in the park all he has to do is just walk through the door and take everything he wants so again but then buffer overflows are probably one of the most rarest exploits and one of the most time taking exploits there are in the entirety of like you know cyber attacks and cyber threats which is why because um you can't control spills can you in the sense that when you throw an object of say a certain weight or a certain shape into like an already full bar it would spill a certain way obviously but you cannot control exactly where it spills or exactly where it goes in the sense that it is it is a trial and error thing you cannot exactly like you know engineer some sort of like you know a memory or some sort of an extra bit to overflow in the exact direction you want it has to be trial and error you don't know throwing what will make it spill which side so obviously a buffer overflow exploit takes a lot of time to avoid crashing things and it takes a lot of time to make it do what you want exactly like to crash a specific thing or to corrupt a specific thing so it is not at all by any means a simple exploit but when you think about it all like you know all like see uh 
if um, you could say like all memory devices manufactured by the same company would follow the exact same procedure of being created right so if you were to find a buffer overflow in one of these things in one specimen of a species of uh, of a species or a computer's line of products based on this thing if you were to find an exploit or a buffer overflow in one specific case in one case then all of those all the devices that are of the same type all the exact like you know all the same model numbers and all of these things are compromised because a good buffer overflow is nearly 100% repeatable in the exact same in another uh, copy of the exact same device so which means all the systems are down if you were to find a buffer overflow in one system all the systems of the same type are down and out to prevent this again this is something this is not something that can be prevented by you know antivirus or anything this is not a virus this is crafty like you know this is binary exploitation in the sense that developers have to be more responsible whenever they're creating applications which is they have to perform edge case testing they have to perform bound checking in the sense that they have to set up measures for preventing spills like you know not allowing anything more than uh, the capacity to enter there's overflows there could be underflows also or there could be invalid types of uh, memory that is being entered something that the memory cannot handle against all of this developers have to se- set up yeah, like you know security measures precautions errors error handling exceptions and all of these things so that you know these things uh, these bounds are not broken and overflows don't happen and like you know memory leaks don't happen because the bad guys find lo- they find themselves having a lot of time to check for openings but once they actually have an opening it's a zero day for developers because they literally have zero seconds to respond to it the damage is already being done now the third type of uh, attack that we're going to discuss today is data injection real life example very simple now consider an injection a normal one you know a syringe needle one you all you have to do is just like you know put your arm out uh, just find the nerve you have to inject it in and when you when you poke the needle in and when you like you know inject like you know you pressure that liquid through you funnel that liquid through the needle what is happening is you're injecting something directly into your nervous system instead of like you know consuming it or something like that now injections generally it will remind you of those dreaded hospital trips like penicillin injections or tetanus shots and anything like this but for some people it might remind of heroin or you know any drugs or anything so basically the contents of the syringe matter because you're sending it directly into your nervous system like you know if you were to send some sort of a very bad tasting thing uh something that is not good or rancid or something that has gone bad through your mouth your tongue would immediately determine it right in the sense that it will say you this is bad throw it out spit it out but if you were to inject it directly into your nervous system it's flowing through your blood you can't do anything about it that is exactly what data injection is all about basically you are being able to add your own data your own logic or your own commands into the application or into the program's nervous system which is the code or which is the compiled like you know language or the memory which is you being able to 
inject your own uh, exploits or anything directly into the memory basically adding your own information into a data stream is called data injection now the obviously data injection more often than not translates to code injection which is basically again code injection is basically like you know enabled because of bad programming if an input field suppose an input field according to like the program is basically everything that is in bit between two inverted commas if i were to just add a single inverted comma in the text that i'm typing into the input and you know just inverted comma somewhere in between and if the program were to read through it it would be like you know again the program thinks that everything between two input uh, two inverted commas is data and everything outside of it is code so if i were to add one solitary in inverted comma into my input stream chances are the first uh, inverted comma that opens in the code for the input to even start would pause or would end at the inverted comma that i added so everything else that i typed in after the input in after the input after the inverted comma everything else that i typed in would be counted as code not input anymore it it would be counted as a part of the program and now clearly this is bad programming which is the application should properly be able to handle input and output of all types you cannot let it like you know just place it in between and you know use logic to just process input this is this could be very absurd so again data types there's so many different things this inverted comma logic the most like you know the most frequently it is translated to three types of injection firstly sql injection sql is the most common rdbms out there relational relational database management language uh, office there's some lot of things built like mysql and all of those so sql injection is also very similar to this if you can if you can end up like you know closing that inverted comma or closing that input field uh, logic everything else you're inputting is code so if you were to input any sql commands like any any database commands like you know give out all the data in the table or drop all of the data in the table it would just take it to code and it will implement it now locally probably it wouldn't cause that much carnage but if sql injection was performed on some some sort of a server or some sort of a website the entire data in the server is dropped and the entire website is crashed before you know it so sql injection which is basically modifying sql requests to have your own logic inputted is basically not something your sql application should be doing it shouldn't really be allowing this but this is very possible now similarly there's xml injection uh, xml is basically a set of rules for data transfer and storage extensible markup language so modifying xml request is also very similar to this uh, and an ldap ldap is used by telecom companies and your cellular devices this is also again manipulatable by proper injection a good application is supposed to validate input for its entirety it shouldn't simply have a uh, an absurd logic like you know inverted comma to inverted comma and done it should be able to implement mechanisms that validate this entire you know flow so to prevent injection developers must ensure that input and output is handled appropriately and all characters all special characters everything are handled and treated as complete inputs so that is basically what data injection is all about um, 
i don't think this is that much prominent unless we're looking at this probably from like a ctf setup or you know a pen testing setup probably we'll save this for later when i probably do my pen test exam or something the details of all of this but yeah so today we ended up discussing man in the middle attacks buffer overflows and data injection um in the next episode let's discuss about uh, cross site scripting privilege escalation and if time permits we'll discuss about dns poisoning and domain hijacking so that's it for today um if you're listening uh, move on to the next episode or the previous episode if you want to catch up on other concepts uh again make sure to leave some feedback to say how is is, is this like you know useful for you is this working out for you or probably like you know if you see these things in a different way than i do obviously i'm 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 happy to hear all of these i'm happy to hear your feedback i'm happy to hear how you view these things and uh, also make sure to leave uh, you know some feedback and make sure to leave some ratings on whatever platform you're listening to uh subscribe again if, if whichever platform you're listening to make sure to you know subscribe for more content so that like you know whenever i make an upload you don't miss it and i'll see you guys next time